0: So that we'll impact our workplaces, our families, impact uh, our neighbours, our friends. Whether we live in Stortford or Harlow or somewhere else, I believe God wants to uh, meet with us here. So that when we go home and go back to our our places uh, where we rest our heads, that we will actually be missionaries for the kingdom of God. And it's really important to say that everything that's mentioned here from the front uh, is vital for the life of this church. Everything mentioned, even the ones that I, didn't able, I wasn't able to mention, the tea and coffee rota, um, the grass-cutting rota, and he's right to bring that up because that all matters. Everything is vital to the life of this church. And it's important to say that every ministry that we have in this church uh, should be seen ultimately as an opportunity to serve the King of Kings as he builds his kingdom here in Sawbridgeworth. Uh, You might think it's not glamorous to be on the grass-cutting rotor or the tea and coffee rotor, but let me tell you, you serve the king of kings every cup of coffee you make. Every time you make someone a glass of water, um, you're serving the king of kings if you do it for his glory. And it should be said that regardless of where you serve in this church or how you serve God through different ministries, it ought to be seen as a massive privilege. The day church ministry is seen as a burden... Either we're doing it wrong or your heart's wrong. It is a privilege to serve the king of kings. Psalm 84 verse 10, uh, the psalmist says this, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. He says, do you know what, I'd rather spend five minutes sweeping the floor in God's kingdom and God's courtyard than I would to be a king, rich, wealthy, full of pleasure in a tent of a wicked person. You may sometimes say to yourself, I don't do anything glamorous for God. You might not use that term, but you know that's what you really are thinking. Well, let me tell you, it's better to sweep the floor in the kingdom, the courtyard of the king of kings than it is to be the most well-known person in a wicked world. It is a privilege to serve God and it should be seen as such. I want to tell you about a friend of mine. Uh, Michael Workett's gone out to excite, so he's going to miss this next bit. He was particularly excited because of the w- one word I've got on my sermon notes, which I'll show you afterwards. Um, a friend of mine, a woman called uh, Mary, she is a great woman. Um, me and Andrea both find her quite inspiring. She would hate that. She'd tell me to stop it. She would hate the fact that I'm telling this story. Um, so I don't think she listens. I doubt it. But if you do, I apologise, Mary. Um, but she uh, wanted to be involved in her local community. They live, um, I won't tell you where they live, because then you might you know, put two and two together if you ever meet her, and then uh, she'll tell me off. Um, but she went to see her local police force. She popped into the local police station, and she said that I'm a Christian in a local church, quite a small church, and she said, I want to, we want to pray for you, and we want to know what things are worrying you as our local police force so we can pray and help. Unfortunately, the particular policeman she met clearly wasn't in a great mood, And he sort of fobbed her off and said, well, actually, what we're really worried about is the amount of dog's mess on this particular path. Hmm. So off she went. And as she walked home, Mary felt very clearly that she should serve the king of kings. I will say it, by picking up poo. And do you know what she did for the next month? Every day, she went out with extra carrier bags. And on this particular path, she picked up dog's mess. And next time she saw the police, they were a lot more receptive to her because she served the King of Kings and she didn't care that it smelled and it was horrible and nasty. Church life can be a huge blessing to each one of us. Being a part of a local church, I believe, is one of God's best gifts to each one of us. You get to meet so many different people. When I look out on a Sunday morning I have the privilege of looking at you all. Uh, You have the privilege of looking at me, well perhaps not a privilege, Um, you have the the laborious, anyway, I have the privilege of seeing you all and it's so lovely to see a church of different ages, different stages, different uh, parts of the journey of faith. Some of you aren't sure what you believe. Some of you would die for it tomorrow. Some of you are young. Some of you from different countries. It's so great to see a multicultural, multi-age um, and everything in one church. And it's so great to be a part of a local church. I love the fact that my children get to grow up knowing 100, 150 people who I know, if they were in need, would help them. And it's so lovely to be a part of church and if you're, never sure, if, you're sure, if you're not sure how often you should come, I tell you you should come every week. I tell you you should come, be a part of a connect group. You should serve some way in this church because being a part of a church is a privilege and a joy. And I tell you, it's good for you. I tell you, it's better for you than any other antibiotic that you can get from the doctors. Because you'll be God's people and God blesses his people when they dwell together in unity, the Bible says. Local church offers us the opportunity um, to serve the King of Kings, as I've said. When there's a particular appeal from the front or a members meeting to help with this ministry or this event, it is not an organization needing an extra pair of hands. It is God's kingdom saying, here's another opportunity to serve God. And it should be seen as that. And so this morning, I want to think about calling. Uh, If you've been a Christian longer than about 10 minutes, you would have probably already had a conversation with another Christian about your calling. What is God calling you to do? Or you might have heard someone say, God called me to be a minister. Or God called me to be a missionary. And I want to think about that just for a few minutes. Um, because I would say, God called me into church ministry. And others would say that they called them to be a missionary or something else. Some of you may say, God called me to help at youth club or to run Haiti or whatever it might be. And we talk about this word, calling. And we say to each other, what's God calling you to do? Do you know your calling from the living God? And it can actually be quite scary because you think, I've got no idea. What's God calling me to do? They seem to know what what God's calling them to do. I don't know where I fit. I don't want to think about it. Um, Because Christianity um, is more than a static faith. Christianity is a responsive faith, a faith that responds to the will of God. In fact, static faith is dead faith. Christians aren't going anywhere, aren't going anywhere. Surprise, surprise. The sort of faith God wants is a faith that is always responding to his call on their life 24-7. Earlier on, Isabel read brilliantly for us um, Jesus calling his first disciples in Mark chapter 1. Their journey of faith with Jesus started with a call to follow. Their calling was simply to leave their boats, leave their life, leave their family and follow Jesus Christ. Not simply to believe, but to get up. A move to get up and follow he simply said come follow me you know every second of every day Jesus Christ says to this world come follow me every day every minute he says to his church come on follow me I'm going this way are you coming with me how many churches are over here and Jesus is over there saying I thought you were with me you sing about it every week you pray about it every week but I thought you were coming but you didn't you stayed there it's safer to be static. It's dangerous to answer the call of God. People talk about their calling, don't they, from God. And whilst does, God does clearly call people, and there are a lot of misconceptions with the concept of a calling from God. And I want to really quickly run through some misconceptions about being called by God for a particular ministry. Let me make this clear, that a calling from God isn't always for Christian ministry. In the past. The idea was put forward that the only people that were called by God was the minister or the priest and the missionary. I grew up a a Christian in the early 90s, and really, that's really what I I heard week in, week out. The called one was the minister or the missionary. But what about the guy who works at McDonald's or the guy that works at the petrol station or at the bank in the city? Is there no calling on their life? Of course there is. Of course there is. God wants called, responsive Christians everywhere not just at the front of a church. A calling from God, I don't believe, is just for full-time Christian ministry. You can be called by God to be an amazing teacher or a great whatever. People talk about their calling, but it isn't just to Christian ministry. Second misconception is that a calling isn't always something other people think is amazing. Um, we tend in our current Christian culture to overexpose and overemphasize uh, people that have been called to worship leading or setting up a new NGO or charity. And rightly so, they do amazing work. But they, you'll find all these people in the front of the Christian press. They're interviewed um, every week. How's it going with a new charity? Well, you've got a new album coming out. How oh, great. What's it like? And those people do amazing work. But let me tell you, God isn't just calling worship leaders and people who start new charities. is calling people to do all sorts of things so God may call you to serve in a way that never gets mentioned or brought up or recognised by any other person. But that's okay because you don't do it for them, you do it for the King of Kings. And who cares what another human being thinks? You may be called to serve tea every week at church. And who cares if no one notices because you do it for the King of Kings and for the growth of his church. The next thing is that calling is not always lifelong. The best piece of advice I was given before I went off to train at Bible College was when you come out of Bible College, do not say to yourself, right, I'm a minister now until the day I die. God might call you to work at a printer's or stack shelves at Tesco's. And do you know what? I'm okay with that, I think, until it happens. No, I'm okay, I'm okay with that. No, I'm okay with that, actually, um, because I want to serve God. And who cares? <coughs> where it is as long as you're serving God next misconception is that your calling is not always lifelong I've already said sorry, I've said that I'm repeating myself that's not good um, the next thing is that you may all, not always feel ready um, people often say to me I can't help with that I'm not ready for it no, no 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 that's not me that's someone else's gift nonsense let me tell you if God waited for a Christian to be ready to do something there would be no church there would be no ministers there would be no worship groups there would be no youth clubs there would be nothing because no one's ever ready to serve God. God calls you and makes you ready halfway through the job. I can testify to that. Moses, Jeremiah, Gideon were all great men of God. Not one of them felt ready when he called them. If God has put something on your heart to do, do not wash it off by saying, I'm not ready, Lord. Say, okay, I'll do it even though I'm terrified, because he will be there for you. And the final misconception is that if you have a call from God and you mess it up or you miss it that is not the end of your spiritual journey. God is not linear with us. There is not A, B, C and D and if you muck B and C up you know you're going to get to D. God is gracious with his people and sometimes our journeys take 40 years in the desert but if you trust in God you will get to the promised land. Okay on to the sermon. Sorry that was a bit of a bit of a diversion so we read mark chapter 1 verse 14 to 20 and i'll read these verses again says after john was put in prison jesus went into galilee proclaiming the good news of god the time has come he said the kingdom of god has come near repent and believe the good news as jesus walked beside the sea of galilee he saw simon and his brother andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Jesus said to his disciples very simply, Come, follow me, repent, believe the good news. And there are three types of call that God gives us. And I want to go through them very quickly. The first, because sorry, they all matter, they all link with each other. There are three types of calling on a person's life. The very first time God calls you is that when he calls you to faith for the very first time, to put your trust in Jesus Christ. Those disciples were told, repent and believe the good news. You can't work out what mission God's calling you to if you haven't responded and asked to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. So before the miracles, before the teaching, before the adventure, they had to trust in Jesus for the very first time. Repent and believe the good news. It's what we talked about last week. And maybe this morning, actually, forget everything I've just said and what I'm going to say. Maybe the very thing God is challenging you on this morning isn't what ministry you can do for him, is to actually answer the call to follow Jesus for the very first time. He is saying to you, trust me, come follow me. Leave it all behind. Walk with me. He is knocking on the door of your heart. He is speaking to you. Maybe it's not a coincidence you're here, hearing that message. Don't put it off until it's too late. The tragedy of human life is there will be so many people that will miss out on everlasting life because they keep waiting. I'm not ready. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. And then it's too late. There will come a time when the book shuts and your name can't be written in it. The call to faith has to be answered now. Put your trust in Jesus Christ this morning. The second call on a person's life is a call to holiness so having answered that call to become a Christian and to follow Jesus, the second call God puts in our life is to reflect Jesus in our words and our deeds, our holiness. One Peter, um, chapter one, it's a fairly long verse, but I want to read it to you. This is what Peter writes. He says, "Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your heart uh, sorry, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you." when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy as I am holy. God said that. Since you call on a father who judges each each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners in reverent fear. If you know that it for you know it is not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ a lamb without blemish or defect he was chosen before the creation of the world but was revealed in these last times for your sake through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. And then he says this, so therefore rid yourselves of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind like newborn babies crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the lord is good and the point he's making is that before you knew christ you did stuff and you didn't know it was wrong you were ignorant of the stuff that god considered sinful but now you know jesus the excuse is gone you're called to be holy i'm called to be holy not just at church when everyone's watching but when no one's watching when no one's listening, in my thoughts and my actions and my words. How do you know how holy you've become as you follow Jesus? Simple. Ask yourself what you really think about when you're on your own. Ask yourself what you get up to when you think no one's watching. Of course, there's only one person watching. That's a measure, actually, of how far you've come. Not how good a show you put on for each other what we put on for each other but actually how holy we are when it's just us and God. God calls us for holiness. Stage one is the call to faith. Stage two is the call to holiness and the reason that matters um, a bit later on sorry well, again two Peter chapter four and five he says this as you come to him the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a royal priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. I want to tell you a story, um, because God's spirit challenges us this story of a man named smith wigglesworth which you may have heard of he's quite a controversial figure so we won't focus on that bit we'll focus on the story itself um he was uh, a couple of hundred years ago and he was um he preached the gospel up and down the land in england and one of the things he did he was on a ship uh, traveling somewhere and uh, a woman was on there with him and she smoked like a trooper she drank heavily and she gambled profusely and uh, as he preached the gospel one afternoon she gave her life to jesus christ and uh, and as he kind of prayed over her and she went back on her merry way if you like somebody said to smith wigglesworth don't you think you should tell her to stop smoking and he said no it's quite controversial i grant you that and then they came up to him and said don't you think you should tell her to stop drinking and he said no that's even more controversial isn't it and then they came back and said don't you think you should stop tell her to stop gambling and he said, "No." I thought, I mean, I may have done the first you know, one of them, but, uh, but all three, its very controversial. But you know what happened? He didn't have to say anything because God was calling that woman to holiness. And by the end of the trip, her cigarettes and her alcohol were thrown over the side and her deck of cards were chucked somewhere as well. doesn't mean that you don't preach um, holiness. I'm not suggesting that for one minute. But what I am saying is that God calls us to holiness. We must respond. Maybe this morning god is calling you not just to believe but to actually change your life he's a gracious god and he will forgive you and he will help you to be holy as he is holy and then the third call of god is the call to serve and as christians we want to go there first don't we i want to know my calling in my life i want to do great things for the lord but have you given your life to jesus christ and are you holy when no one's watching because those two matter because if you haven't got those two down you really are going to struggle to find your place of service with the king of kings Often as Christians, we do go straight there. And whilst God will use failed, broken people, I tell you what he won't do. Use half-hearted, apathetic people who know exactly what his ways are, but who deliberately go against them. Those people will not be used by God in the way they want to. Not because he doesn't want to use you, but because you've made it possible for him not to. I heard a quote once that said, God doesn't entrust his secrets to fools. If we're half-hearted and we never pray and we never read the Bible, never meditate on God's word, and we never respond to his call, we will never fulfill his will for our lives. We would have made sure of it. He will never give up on you, of course. He will never stop loving you, of course. But you would have made sure you were never a David Wilkerson or a Jackie Pollinger or a Cory Ten Boom. Because calling is relational. And if you want to know what God is calling you to do, guess what you have to do? Talk to him. Be right with him. Worship him. It's as simple as that. And this call to service is really important. It's really important to serve the king of kings. Because it's whilst we serve that our faith is proved to be authentic. In James chapter 2, he says very simply, If anyone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them. If you say to a brother or sister without clothes, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but do nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself that's not accompanied by action is dead. Someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. When we serve the King of Kings, we put our faith into action and prove that it is real sometimes people say to me you can be a Christian and not go to church if you want to be technical about it you might scrape into heaven but you're not a Christian really am I really a top and supporter Andy? why not? I never go for the record, if anyone feels called to generosity, I don't mind having tickets bought for me or anything like that. But, um, and it's like that, isn't it? It's where our faith becomes authentic. It's also where our hearts become in line with God. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Sometimes we read really, it the other way around, don't we? Give me the desires of my heart, and then, I'll de- then I'll delight in you. No, no, it's the other way around. You delight in God, you worship him, you get close to him, then suddenly what you desire changes dramatically. And then you get what you really want, which is actually what God wants in the first place. That's how it works. But that only happens through service. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Um, it's also when we serve God where we discover our spiritual gifts and they are used um, it says in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7 now to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good when we serve God we discover him on the road if you like I'm going to ask Catherine just to come up and share a really quick story um, with you about a time when she was asked to do something she was frightened of doing but she did it and she discovered
1: God hello hello um so what happened i just arrived in exeter found a new church it was in september so really new at uni and i they run this thing called soul exeter which is for the youth of the churches in exeter and around exeter and i went along and i was just sitting there and my church is really big on praying sort of prophetic words and things about people which honestly like a year ago i just didn't think happened i just thought it was completely made up um so I was sitting there and there was a girl crying over in the corner and some, one of the church leaders came up and said, can you go and pray for her? And I thought, oh, no, I don't really want to, but new church, wanted to make a good impression, so I was like, yeah, of course, I'll go straight away. So I went over, sat down next to her, found out her name, I'd never met this girl before in my life, um, I was praying for her, and then I got a sense that she was being bullied and that it was by a girl called Natalie. And then my head kind of went, oh, Natalie, Natasha, blah, 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 But um, obviously Natalie was what had been put in my head. I had a picture of a girl I knew with the name of Natalie, so that's how I got that. Um, so I just said to her, um, you're not being bullied, are you? And she was like, yeah, I am. And I was like, and is it by a girl called Natalie? And she was like, yeah. Like, and this was a situation she was in at school, and it was really weighing heavy on her mind. And I don't know what it did for her, me knowing that and me being told that by God, but for me that was just huge in my life because that's something I just didn't think happened at all. And there it was <laughs> happening to me after I'd been really not wanting to pray for this girl. So that was quite a big moment for my life. <laughs> yeah. Is that it?
0: The the lesson that Catherine's learned is don't talk to me after a church event on Saturday because you get asked to say things at the front. Um, But actually, when we serve God, I believe we discover him in a much more real way than you ever can sitting statically somewhere. Um, It's actually on the front line that you discover your king. You really do. And Catherine's an example of that. But there are so many other ways that we discover God. And so I'm done. You'll be pleased to know, I'm sure. But don't you be done. Don't leave thinking, oh yeah, nice, I'll uh, try and be better this week, a bit more holy. That's not how it works. You've got to be completely different. Give it up if there's something nagging you you've been doing for so many years. Pray with Janice or Dean at the front uh, prayer team after this service. If there's something bothering you with your personal holiness and I want to say it again, I talk about it far too often but so many people struggle with things like pornography and stuff like that. If you want to talk to me about that confidentially I promise I will not judge you and I'll help you. Uh, If you're struggling with something else find someone you trust and get it out there. Pray together. Talk through how you can help each other. Deal with that holiness issue because you'll want to be used by God trust me you'll want to be on the front line fighting for God trust me but if you're still here doing the thing that you keep on doing and you you want to do it you're going to struggle to get to where God wants you to be and if you're fighting and you're kind of where you should be don't say I'm doing enough no more God Um, open yourself up and actually I dare you to pray this prayer every night Lord I will do whatever you want me to do. I will go wherever you want me to go and I will give up whatever you want me to give up. That is a scary prayer to pray. Some people pray it once and then never again. (laughs) I pray it every day. Jesus says come follow me. The adventure isn't standing still. It is following the son of God and I also believe that serving in your local church is a part of that adventure, an amazing part of that adventure. God is doing something great in this church, I believe. I believed it from day one. I've never said anything different, have I? And I will never say anything different because God loves this place and He loves you and He has called all of you to serve in it. So you don't even—some of you don't even realize you've been called to serve in this place, but you have called to spread the gospel and to change Sawbridgeworth. And it's even easier, actually, because I discovered yesterday there are only 8,700 people when I thought there were 10,000. <laughs> I think they must have got rid of some people. Um, So I want to pray. Um, In fact, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to give a minute or two before we sing one song. And you talk to God. I'll talk to God about anything. Or maybe just pray that prayer. Father God we just lift up these thoughts to you Lord and thank you Lord that you're a living God Lord you're not a God of the dead but a God of the living and Lord we just thank you that you call us Lord you loved us enough to call us when we hated you when we were uh, apathetic towards you not interested in you Lord you called us when we didn't even understand even though we'd done so much Lord that uh, it was against your your perfect ways Lord, you still loved us, and you sent Jesus Christ to die for us. He was nailed to a cross. He took our sin, Lord, even before we knew it. And all we had to do was answer that call by saying, Lord Jesus, forgive me in my sin. You are the King of kings, and I love you. You rose from the dead. I believe you're the Son of God. Be my Savior, to give our lives to him. Lord, you call us to be holy, not because you want to ruin our fun, but because, Lord, better is one day in your courts. Than a million years in the tent of the wicked. Lord, the wicked always think they have more fun. But Lord, it's rubbish. It's self-destruction. Lord, we have such joy knowing you and serving you. And then finally, Lord, you call us to service. Lord, may we never see serving you in this church or some other way as a burden. And Lord, I want to bless all those people that are still in secular work. Father God, I thank you for their calling to be Christians in the workplace. Lord, we don't say it enough. But Lord, you've put them there. And you put them there for a reason. Not just to make money and have a good pension and a comfortable life, but to speak the truth of Jesus Christ. Make them brave, Lord, because they're the brave ones on the front line. Bless them, I pray. And Lord, show us where we fit in this church. May we serve in this church. And we thank you for everyone that already does. In Jesus' name, amen.